take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean, and this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online at couplesynergy.com, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences working with thousands of couples for almost 20 years. You know, everyone says you have to work on a relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. In today's episode, Jean and I will be talking about differences in relationships. We might know a thing or two about that. We kind of (laughs) do. It's a very personal thing for both of us, Mm -hmm. but it is also something that we have worked with, with couples. Sure. For many years now. Right. And, um... We will also be talking about a topic called Like Attracts Like. Mm-hmm. It might pique your interest because most of you know opposites attract. At least you know that phrase. Yes, they do. That opposites attract, right? But we're going to be explaining Like Attracts Like, which is something that we've taught couples for many years again. So let's talk about differences about within couples' relationships. They can be... In different age brackets, like different generations. Sure. They could have grown up in different places, like you grew up in the city or someone grew up in a rural environment. They could have different religious backgrounds. Yep. Different uh, cultural backgrounds. We have that. Right. We have that. Mm -hmm. Different sizes of family. We have that for sure. We definitely have that. Socioeconomic differences. Right. We have that too. Education. We didn't right. put that down, but right. that Education absolutely yeah. would be a difference as well. So we were talking about the differences in terms of the environments we were exposed to, but then there's also the differences in what we learned about certain topics or what we have preferences for, like music. Right. Or parenting styles. Right. Food. it just came to mind because we grew up with very different food right yeah uh drinking and people's relationship with alcohol right socializing Mm -hmm. introverts and extroverts exercise the importance of if both people are on the same page with how important exercise is to them right how about finances spenders and savers Mm -hmm. common interests like movies or um, activities. I thought we were talking about differences. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm saying common interests, I mean, as you know, they have a difference in common interests. Oh, I, I should, it's different differences <laughs> in interests. Got it. <laughs> right. Right. Differences in interests. Right. Right. Especially Not if you common. have a very expensive hobby and your partner doesn't share in that, that's going to be, that's going to be tough. Right. That is tough. Yeah. So let's talk about age differences. Well, first of all, when a couple meets, when, when, when two people meet each other mm-hmm. in the beginning of a relationship, 
the differences are not really that big of an issue. No, because they're unique and you're open and you want to know, get to know your partner. Mm -hmm. And so all those things are really cute. And interesting. Mm -hmm. And you want to know more, right? Right. And there's very little risk in the beginning of a relationship because you have really nothing invested. Right. So when that cute guy wants to take you to uh, the football game every weekend, it feels great. You're included. You're part of something. But even though you might hate football, (laughs) maybe that's not your interest. Right. No. did, Did we have any differences in the beginning that were interesting? Yeah, I think that um, my my willingness and my exposure in my life to lots of variety and your lack of exposure was a big difference in the beginning, but I think it was just fun for us. Like I remember taking you out to Starve Rock for the first time and making you leave your watch and your beeper. Most people don't really. <laughs> in the car. Know what beepers Whatever are Whatever your electronics were back then in the car to help yeah. you unplug and you know, I still remember that day. It was a great day. Well, you took me camping f- for the first time. Mm-hmm. I had never skydiving. Well, skydiving is, yeah, <laughs> it's a very big difference. But I'm trying to think about whether there were any differences in the beginning that were interesting, but then became, you know, a challenge later on. Music. Music was, I wouldn't say it was a challenge, though. Sometimes for me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I I was kind of a child of the 80s, so, I mean, 80s music all around is my favorite. Right, so is this 80s, or is this, you know, age differences, or is it music preferences? Because it's not like we're talking about different genres of music, it's more eras. Well, I mean, you were a child of the 70s, and so your music is, you know, I guess it's a preference, right? Well, and I think you just like music in general more than I do, and you like music because of the sounds where I like music because of the words. And so sometimes you're listening to music that I find the words very annoying, but you're like, I don't even hear the words. <laughs> no, because I'm listening to the melody. I'm listening to the beat. Right. Right. So our differences in that way, just in, in our taste of music and how we appreciate music is, you know, at times a challenge. Although I'm, I'm much more versatile than you are. You're much more versatile and you have much more Mm. of a preference of always having noise on where I like more silence. Why do differences matter or not matter? Well, I think differences don't really matter in the beginning. They are kind of a way for couples to become interested in each other. But also, why would you want to be with a partner that's exactly like you? I, I don't think that that provides any excitement well genetically we are um, healthier if we find someone genetically dissimilar to us to have children with so I think the same thing is true in terms of like having a fuller life I I would agree with that you know it does give more uh, variety in your life so let's talk about the law of attraction you know the law of attraction states that like attracts like not opposites attract well it's not, op- the word opposite is interesting. So if you think about the word love, on a continuum is love and hate on the same continuum. The opposite is actually indifference. 
right? Right. And so we will attract, you know, it's like this thing that I like to say about doing a Google search. And if you Google search red shoes, what are you going to find? Red shoes. And if you Google search, I don't want red shoes, what are you going to find? Red shoes. Right. So you could think that you are attracting someone who is opposite, but they actually just have the opposite of the same um, issue. For example, somebody who is dependent is going to be attracted to someone who's a caretaker. They're not going to be attracted to someone who's independent because it wouldn't work, right? And so it looks opposite, a caretaker and a dependent person, but it's the same continuum. It's the same it's the same frequency. This is why there's that phenomenon of children of alcoholics end up attracting someone who is an alcoholic. Right. Right. And they mm-hmm. end up in a relationship that's mm-hmm. very similar because that's the frequency, quote unquote, that they know. Right. Also, like the big hot topic right now about the codependent and the narcissist, which we throw those words around way too much and everyone should dial it back. Someone that's a true narcissist is probably not in a relationship. But anyway, someone who is codependent has very low self-esteem. And someone who is very controlling has very low self-esteem. And so the common law of attraction is that low self-esteem. Because somebody with high self-esteem would not be attracted to somebody who was either codependent or controlling. Which people, they don't really understand that. You know, when we point it out to them. And working with couples and say that, you know, this is the law of attraction. And they say, I didn't pick up on any of that when I first met them. They didn't give any of those those warning flags, Mm -hmm. you know, at all. Yeah. But, you know, the fact is that the majority of our communication is all subconscious and it is nonverbal. Well, yeah, when you look at the developmental stages of a relationship, when you're in the romance phase, those those indicators are not going to stand out very much because first of all, everyone's on their best behavior. And second, you Mm want to overlook that kind of stuff or you see it as cute or quirky, but not really as, Hmm, how am I going to deal with that? Only until later. Right. Right. Until you have more invested in the relationship and now there's greater risk. And so now that brings us to the concept of the orange. No. Yes, this is a concept that I've heard Wayne Dyer. Wayne talk Dyer talks about. about this, and he says, "What do you get when you squeeze an orange? Um, orange juice? Why? Because it's an orange. You never get apple juice. No, not even don't. once. No, because that's what's inside, right? So when you squeeze the orange, you get orange juice because that's what's inside. Does it matter if your mom squeezes the orange? No. Or your boss? No. Kids." No. So the same thing is true of us. When we get squeezed, what comes out is what's inside of us. And the beginning of a relationship doesn't have so much squeezing in it. The squeezing doesn't happen until there is that investment and there's something to lose. So I like to think of this as the equalizer, right? That no matter what kind of differences that you have, whether it be music or religion or cultural that like attracts like, that law of attraction, it just kind of equalizes all of it, right? That you have the same kind of wounds that your partner has. The right. specifics are different. Right. Right, but what the two of you have to work on is very similar. 
So you're equally as attractive and equally as intelligent, not necessarily educated, but equally as intelligent and equally as wounded. Yes. So it isn't until the squeeze happens that you really can begin to work on those rough edges. You know, the other thing that happens is, you know, let's say you grew up in a home where the parents are very controlling. So you might be attracted to someone who is very relaxed and possibly not very disciplined or um, follow many structure or rules. But then trying to deal with that over time, you end up being just like your parents, being the disciplinary to the person who's unstructured. Or you can take the opposite stance and you can attract someone who is going to make a lot of decisions for you and you get to continue to be that rebellious teenager. So our, our standpoint is to help couples find that middle ground to create the us. Right. Right. That what you were brought up with and what he or she was, was brought up with isn't necessarily the right, quote unquote, right thing. Right. right. You know, you see this a lot with parenting styles. If one parent is really strict, the other parent will become very passive and they'll keep pushing each other to the opposite ends of that continuum. But the healthiest thing to do is what's in the middle. You know, I I think one of the things that we see becomes a challenge for couples is when they focus on just the differences and it becomes the issue. Like it takes center stage in the spotlight. Yeah, it's almost like... it gets the the issue gets superimposed on other things, past hurts, and and it, and it becomes. I think that's where the contempt comes in, or the vengefulness. Right. They focus on like, for example, the you know a couple I'm thinking about is, um, he is much more social mm-hmm. than she is. Right. You know, he likes to go out with friends. He likes to be around people, and she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right. She likes to stay more at home. Um, you know, she goes out with friends from time to time, but it's not a regular occurrence. So they're like polar opposites when mm-hmm. it comes to socialization. And he has a really hard time not projecting a lot of resentment and animosity towards her. As though one style uh, is good and one is bad. Right. Yeah. You know that, you know, she's like this you know, wet blanket in his life and just kind of restricts him. And, and now it becomes very personal for him. And then out comes this contempt and judgment mm-hmm. towards who she is because of her preference. Which I think has a lot to do with so many different things Why we end up having certain preferences. It's interesting to see little babies, you know, babies who uh, maybe they have a hard time sleeping. Well, guess what? When they get older, they still have a hard time sleeping. Or if they're not very social as children, they're probably not going to be very social as adults. Or if they're very affectionate and social, you know, I I think those kind of temperaments have been there for the duration of someone's lifetime. So the other question is, why was he attracted, if he's a socialite, to someone who's a homebody? And I think for some couples and some people, they, they say in their mind, well... I can change them or that's going to change in the future once we become a couple or something like that, right? For some reason in their mind, they they look past it or they minimize it and 
you know, they try to just look at the similarities. And I think the opposite is true as well as the other person might go, well, I wish I was more like that. I wish I was more comfortable alone or I wish I was more comfortable socializing. And so this person's going to rub off on me and I'm going to become more confident socializing. or I'm going to become more confident being home alone, but it, it doesn't work. <laughs> like someone who's a spender and they're kind of out of control with their money. And then they are attracted to someone who's a saver and who is very disciplined with their money. Like, oh, great. Let's let's go together because yeah, you're going to help me get structured. But just resentment happens unless well, they form a common vision. Right. Because I, I, you know, what you're talking about here is they project, you know, responsibility onto their partner that they should be taking for themselves. Right. And that that will become a very big problem and a big source of resentment for the two of them versus creating that common vision, you know, of sitting down and really figuring out how to honor each other's needs. You know, we had a couple once the man was 72 and he was retired and the woman was in her late thirties. She had a teenage son and she was going to school. So she was just trying to start a career. While he was finished, right? right? And it really didn't work out well. So now he's home almost being uh, a full-time dad to the teenager while she's in school and working. And she's really starting to launch in her life while he's winding down. I think that was the biggest age difference that we have ever seen. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And that was was really Mm. difficult. Yeah. That was a difficult one. And it actually did not resolve itself. No, they, they obviously were not able to find that mm-hmm. that middle ground for the two of them, yeah. the balance point for the relationship. You know, I remember that one couple we worked with that he loved socializing and she she liked it, but at a certain point she was like done. And I think we encouraged them to go to weddings like in separate cars. And oh, then yeah, yeah. and then she would, you know, get to a certain point and instead of like getting anxious and nagging him all night. She's like, all right, I'm done. I'm leaving. Have a good time. I'll see you later. And they were able to really work through that and find like she needed more space. He needed more socializing and they were able to find that common, common ground, which is not a very easy thing to do. No. Right. Because it is very easy to have this position that, you know, my partner should be able to kind of accommodate to me in both directions. But to say that, oh, I have to now take a separate car because my partner won't accommodate to me and my needs, it's very easy to take that personally. Well, I think there might be a difference between needs and wounds. You know, and I I believe for her, she had a lot of anxiety. And so she would reach a point and her anxiety would get the best of her. And her staying there was really painful for her. I, I do think, though, there's there's the issues that come up that are the more important thing than the difference. Do you know what I mean? How so? Um, I I think I know what you mean, but how so? So if we take Mm -hmm. a spender and a saver, for example, and the reasons those things are important to each other, right? And if the spender is using spending as a way to kind of self-soothe or distract themselves from problems in their life, and the saver is actually doing the same thing as well. They're looking for such certainty 
and such security that they they can't let go and have fun. Mm-hmm. And it really isn't about the idea of how we should manage our money as much as it is, is how is money an indication of how we're managing our emotions and needs that we might have or wounds that we might have. And how do we manage communication between each other? How are we showing respect to each other as well? Right. And, and kind of control issues, right? And so I think when you understand at a more fundamental level why those things are important to your partner, then you can find that middle ground, which says, okay, it's important for you to have this, maybe save X amount of dollars a year, and it's important for me to have that, which is you know, being able to have some money to have some fun or to have some hobbies. Then when you're looking at the real money versus the emotions behind it, you can find a common ground that makes both people's needs get met. I, I think money is a really great topic because, I mean, it is, it symbolizes survival, mm-hmm. right? It is like representative of our basic needs, food, shelter, clothing, survival. And so how each person in the relationship relates to money specifically can translate into the conflict that they usually have between each other. I think that if, if money is symbolic, probably the other things are as well. So there's real life things like, you know, when we talk about the difference of the garbage can, you know, because I grew up in a big family and you grew up in a small family. So those are just things that you sort of automatically learn. Like, I think for you, if I'm going to talk about something that's sort of annoying, (laughs) is like you don't complete something, but I don't think you know you don't complete it. I don't? No. Like you always will leave a pot in the sink. Or you almost always leave the light on in the laundry room every day. I don't do that anymore. Yes, you do. I just turn it off. So, <laughs> But it's not because you're being mean or, or disrespectful. It's just, it, it's not a thought in your radar. Do you remember the, the one where I used to leave the cabinet open? I, I can't even say used to. The coffee cabinet. The, yeah. You and, still do. <laughs> right. And I don't know I do it because it's it's so automatic. I'm not even thinking about it. And it's only because you notice it. I don't it, understand that, though. I don't know either. And every now and then I'll see it open. Like, it's huh, not like totally huh? open. It's just like halfway open. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And But the thing is, when you're doing stuff like that, you don't really know you're doing it. Right. So it's kind of funny. It isn't like blatant or disrespectful. It's not about the other person at all. No. And so it, those things probably aren't going to change because they're not on your radar to change them. And so that's I, where I think it's just a good idea to, if that's your skill, close the cabinet or turn off the light or whatever it is. Well, I, I remember or this. Or close the light for this, the Filipinos yeah. out there. I remember this couple that we used to work with that he would, <laughs> after drinking a drink, he would turn his cup over on the table. Upside down. Yeah, upside down. Uh-huh. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And that would just drive her nuts. Right. I, I don't know why he would do I mean, obviously, he grew up mm-hmm. doing that. And I think it was something like, you know, like he, he grew up in a family and in a third world country kind of thing. And, you know, flies would, would come oh, in. for the bugs. Right. Yeah. Bugs would go into the cup or something. <laughs> and so they were taught to turn it over. Yeah. <clears throat> but, I mean, they they fought about that. It was such a huge point of contention for them. And their focus was just on that difference. 
versus really understanding where it came from and really understanding, you know, what that was symbolizing for them. And it symbolizes like power, control, uh, being restricted, being limited, being told what to do. You know, it was like a plethora of issues that are being brought to the surface for each person because of a glass. But I think that's true of everything, whatever the thing Mm -hmm. is, right? And especially if like you got in trouble for leaving a light on or not closing a door, it's going to bring up all this old stuff. But it's really about having a conversation to understand that. Right. So that you can work through it because it's usually not about that for the person doing it. Well, you know, so the problem happens when when each person or couples kind of fall back on, this is how I was raised. Right. And this is the right way <laughs> to do things. They're right. Right? <laughs> this is, you know, this is my difference. You know, because of the difference, this is my point of view. Right. And my point of view is correct. Versus really understanding what it symbolizes. And mm-hmm. that is really the place where couples find mutual understanding. And the differences melt away the differences melt away and the opportunity to show up for your partner increases you know because i think there is a differentiation in the level of woundedness for a specific topic Hmm. and so if you get beyond what that means and you can get it into perspective one person can usually let go a lot easier and be like you know I get it. That's, this is why that's so important to you. And if that's the case, everything that was mine is kind of null and void and I can show up and support you and yours. Or they both have a similarity of being hard headed. <laughs> there is that. Right. I remember working with two attorneys. Oh yeah. And they couldn't paint their bedroom. That, that was, fun. I bet it's still not painted. That was fun. Oh my gosh. Talk about a couple that were, trained to argue yeah professionals oh they were great (laughs) they were just they were great at it you know that's an interesting thing because when you have two people and you can push equally you get into a stalemate but when you look at the golden ratio or pie it's it's just a little bit off from the middle and that creates a vortex you know so if you think about a stick that's perfectly balanced It's just going to sit there. But if it moves over a little bit, it's going to fall and it's going to spiral and it's going to create a lot of energy. It's that tipping point that creates movement versus the stalemate. And the stalemate might make you feel safer in control, but you're just stuck. You're going to talk about physics then, right? Two equal waves that hit each other. They're going to cancel each other out. Mm -hmm. How about that? How about that? Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the differences that actually bring that nuance and excitement and passion into a relationship and that's why initially in the relationship you know that's where the energy is but with that investment in the relationship as the risk increases the risk of being hurt risk of being rejected risk of being abandoned right all of that increases that's where the differences really take center stage as i mentioned earlier And that's when it becomes a big problem for each person in the relationship. They get very vulnerable. Yeah, we don't like change and we can form a habit instantly. So the way I like to describe this is, you know, if you've ever been to like a wedding 
somewhere you're there for a long period of time and you have to go to the bathroom, right? And so you're in a different place. And the first thing you have to do is find it. And it's a little vulnerable. You're looking around, you find it, and then you go in and you pick the third stall on the left. And then if you go back again, you're going to do the exact same thing and still pick the third stall on the left because it worked. Looking at the second stall on the right is taking a risk. And we don't like that. And I know you guys are out there laughing because you do it. Everybody does it. They go. They don't like change. They go to the exa- and that's just one time in a strange place, right? And we do that time after time after time, and we learn this in our families. And so, to have to do things different is awkward and uncomfortable. Relationships actually require it because your partner didn't grow up in the home you grew up in. Thank God. If you're in the second stall on the right, they're on the third stall on the left, and someone's got to figure it out. Well, that's where the strength of the relationship comes from. The fact that you have two different perspectives, right? And when it comes to parenting, it's even more key. Oh, yeah. How many people actually like the fact of how their parents raised them? Right. Although they're very committed to it at the same time. Right. Right. And, you know, the goal of every generation is to do better than the last. Mm -hmm. And so if you just did what your parents did, well, you're not going to help your children evolve and grow to become better than you. And that's what you want. Right. And so why wouldn't you want a partner to have a different perspective on child rearing so that the two of you can create something even better? Because the two of you could create something worse. That you could, <laughs> especially if you get bogged down in all the differences. Yeah. Right? Instead yep. of find that common denominator. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, find the strengths. And I think we do do the opposite of, of our parents sometimes. You know, if you were raised in a home where maybe there was corporal punishment. You might want to raise your kids without that, but then what ends up happening is a lot of times you just raise them without discipline at all. And so it isn't the middle ground, it's the opposite. It's the extreme ground, which Mm -hmm. creates a whole nother problem. Yeah, the opposite extreme is not necessarily better. Nope. Nope, it's all about finding balance. It's all about the center. And so whether you're dealing with age differences or religious differences or cultural differences, the more you can embrace and the more you can incorporate and the more you can talk through, the more you can get the best of all of those things. Like my music is so much better than yours. Ah, no, 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 (laughs) no, no. You know, I I like a lot of your music. I like a lot of your music too. And I kind of like music in general. Yeah. I like a lot of your music too, but You've exposed me to music that I would have never heard of if I hadn't been with you. You know, vice versa. Yeah, which I think is lovely. And now that we've been together so long, those words or those songs are have history for both of us, which I think is really cool. It is very cool. Mm-hmm. So we hope that you can tune in on Thursday, this Thursday. Yeah, Chuck and Angela. And listen to Chuck and Angela, who were our first podcast. Our first interview, first couple that we interviewed. And then we had to re-interview them. And then we had to re-interview them (laughs) because I I couldn't figure out, you know, the whole computer thing. So an audio engineering is not my uh, major. Nope. Yeah. So he is 51 and she's 38, I believe. At least they were when we podcasted them. (laughs) It's been a year now since we podcasted them. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, they have a big age difference and it's both their first marriage and they had to work through some of that stuff, which is, I think they came out on a really strong end of that. They got a really great story. Yeah. So hopefully you tune in. 
So for all you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave a review on iTunes. We really appreciate all of the reviews. We just heard a few more. Thank you guys. That's awesome. It's good to hear. It's really awesome. And, you know, if you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, we take each one of those very seriously. Mm -hmm. Okay. Please email us directly at contact at couplesynergy.com. And we hope that by listening to this episode, it's not only been beneficial for your life, but also your relationship. If you want to find out more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And there's an upcoming book that I'm going to have a chapter in called Overcoming Mediocrity. It'll be on Amazon probably Christmas. You guys have got to check out Gene's personal story in that book, which mm-hmm. is awesome. We are also working on our own book. When we have more information about when that's going to come out, we will definitely put that out on the podcast. Yeah, probably spring of 2020. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life, synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. Mm-hmm.